I was in Tbilisi in Georgia for four months, nearly five months actually, and uh, I was doing a residency with the Centre for Contemporary Art there. And while I was there, um, I became kind of obsessed with this Georgian billionaire. I'd already kind of been following him a little bit before I left, but basically he is the de facto ruler of Georgia. His uh, political party is, is in power and he is the wealthiest man in Georgia. His wealth is worth one third of the GDP of the entire country. And he has this really bizarre hobby of collecting rare animals and giant ancient trees, which he has dug up, their entire kind of root systems dug up and shipped to himself to his property on the Black Sea coast on barges along the Black Sea coast. So there's lots of, uh, I guess, footage collected by Georgian news crews and environmental activists of these uh, trees traveling on barges and the whole process is quite uh, I suppose what it's quite corrupt or what we would call corrupt in Australia but um, Georgians don't quite speak about it in the same way uh, where he uses public roads funding to build roads to transport these trees and to dig them out and to pay for uh, various types of infrastructure to go in to be able to transport these and then he also leaves kind of giant gaping holes where the trees uh, where the trees are, and he just leaves the roads behind as well. So I was kind of tra- tracking and mapping this infrastructure while I was in Georgia, and trying to find out where where the trees went. And I found that they they went to this property, and next to this property of his is a, a giant luxury resort which he also owns. So I went uh, undercover and stayed at at this resort um, in the off season. So I went with my partner, and we were like the only the only guests there. And we got into this resort, and the whole f- bottom floor of this hotel uh, was a giant aquarium filled with really bizarre sea life, like rare sharks and uh, animals. Uh, stingrays and turtles and things and the staff told us to come to come back to check in and to come back for the feeding of the animals in the aquarium so we we came back and there were maybe like 10 staff there and then my partner and I and the staff were all watching us watch this feeding and it was an actual diver getting into into this aquarium and hand feeding all the animals and then (laughs) Uh, the woman who checked us in started like knocking on the outside of the aquarium and waving at the diver and then kind of gesturing and then he looked at us and then he went over to this tiger shark and started feeding it but then started dancing with this tiger shark and uh, she was saying to us oh he's he's dancing with the shark for you um over and over again and then all of the staff were watching us while we were watching this man dive and dance with this shark which was really bizarre um and so we were there just for like 48 hours and I was basically trying to get from this property into the billionaire's property to try to get a photo of these trees that he had replanted I managed to get some footage of his like tree receival jetty and the infrastructure around that and I tried to walk onto his property along the beach but I got pulled up by a security guard from the hotel who walked me back and I pretended that I had been taking photos of this the sunrise 
um, on on the beach, which was quite funny. Um, but he spoke to me quite a bit about the owner of the resort and how the owner of the resort um, looks after them all really well, but buys rare animals and that they had zebras and lions and deers. So it was a pretty a pretty bizarre experience all up. But interestingly, I couldn't show any of of the work, or I, I'm kind of still working on the work for a show at, at Dark Mofo this year, actually. Um, but I couldn't show anything in Georgia because of the power that this guy holds, and because of it being risky for arts institutions to be publicly criticizing him in any way. That was Grace Herbert, artist and Shotgun 7 recipient, and this is What Are You Looking At? Season 5, Episode 3, Out to Sea. I'm your host, Lisa Campbell-Smith. What Are You Looking At? has previously explored the aims of the Shotgun program, a partnership between Contemporary Art Tasmania, detached cultural organisation and MONA that was founded in 2010. In Season 2, Episode 1, Professional Development, we interviewed shotgun coordinator Kylie Johnson about this unique awarded opportunity and what it does for the selected Tasmanian artists through its rigorous and flexible program structure. For this episode we interviewed Grace at various stages during the development of her exhibition Increased Productivity installed at CAT in March 2019. Grace has a well-developed sense of the ridiculous, a thread of tongue-in-cheek that runs through all of her works, Increased Productivity being no exception. Welcome Grace. Please ensure that all hair is tucked inside the cap. This is important for accuracy. The procedure will last for 180 seconds. During this time, place your hands in your lap. Do not laugh. Do not talk. Talking or laughing will invalidate results. Do not move. Do not touch the walls. Breathe evenly. In and out. 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 In a relaxed tidal rhythm, you may wish to close your eyes. Actually, I proposed something completely different for Shotgun when I first applied, and I started working on it and then I came across this bod pod and I became obsessed and then I was trying to tell myself that it was like too ridiculous and I had to let it go and then I just I found one on a an auction an online auction site and it was an ex-US army surplus bod pod that this guy had bought at a at an army surplus auction and then he was selling it on and I contacted him and I asked him whether he would build it a crate and help me ship it to Australia. And he was really not keen. He was really lazy about it, but it just took me harassing him so much. Um, they're like these, uh, they're used to give you a true fat body a body fat ratio breakdown and then they give you a bunch of other measurements about yourself and they work off air displacement and um they're used by the army the navy uh the air force and originally they were sort of just used by high-end athletes as well like elite athletes to get this really particular breakdown um and they've been around since like the early 90s 
So they were, in the early 90s, they seemed like they were quite a futuristic piece of technology and they were giving you this information about yourself that you couldn't get from anywhere else. But they've definitely been sort of superseded, technologically speaking, now. But they've kind of had this... uh, breakout in uh in health centers and fitness centers and people going and getting these measurements in the pod and there's a whole bod pod hashtag on instagram that you can follow of people sort of doing this thing so i found this this one and i was kind of interested in the way that it had been used in the army as well and this kind of idea of like the refinement of an individual and then the way that that works in a in a military context is pretty weird as well like a kind of weaponized person or individual um and then uh this this guy I was buying it from eventually agreed to build a crate for it and have it shipped to Australia and it got picked up uh he lived in Baltimore so it was picked up in Baltimore and then I think it traveled to Florida and then it got on a ship in Florida But when it got on this or was getting on this ship in Florida, I was contacted by the shipping agency and they said that there's like a there was a stink bug outbreak in Florida. And so I had to I had to get it fumigated, the crate for the bod pod fumigated. And then after it got fumigated, it went missing for a while, just at this random port in Florida. And then it appeared again Um, and then it went on a boat and this shipping agency was just so bad they were just really incompetent and it just went missing for like two months and I just thought that the bod pod was lost at sea and then and then it just rocked up in Melbourne I got a call from Melbourne Customs but I just didn't I hadn't known it was there and then they were sort of saying oh you know you had to have lodged these forms but I just didn't know where it was or when it was arriving anyway it eventually it got through but because it was such a strange object um there are all of these weird things about customs and excise and approval and they just the uh, customs agent just couldn't understand what I was bringing it into Australia for so he's like it's medical equipment so you have to pay this fee and I was like no it, it doesn't work it's an artwork um, so there were all of these really interesting maybe it's actually it's kind of dry but it was kind of funny around like um, excise and customs and permission and it was just this this whole like bod pod traveling unaccompanied all the way to Australia and no one knew what it was. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, but the thing itself now that it's here actually got a little bit battered up at sea, but it'll, it'll be fine by the time of the exhibition. Um, but it's just this really weird, uh, atmospheric space. You can't, you can hear a little bit of noise from outside and vice versa um it has this funny like pressurized door that you open so it makes a kind of spaceshipy noise each time you open and close it and the air quality in and the sound quality inside the space is very particular so it actually feels kind of claustrophobic um but I'm not using it for this kind of air displacement function at all there's uh, a whole like sound based element to it where the bod pod will speak to you when you're in it in the show In an essay for the exhibition, writer Helen Hughes describes increased productivity as bringing together two symbolic regimes of self-improvement. The first is that of contemporary corporate culture, represented by that most ubiquitous object of post-Fordism, the communal hot desk, 
and the second is that of the personal fitness and well-being industry, here represented by a bod pod, an airtight, human-scaled fibreglass chamber using the principle of air displacement calculates the user's body fat ratio with extreme precision. The installation was two slick glass cubes appeared to have been dropped straight into the gallery, divided by a solid wall, wide on the side that contained the bod pod, and deckled by a forest scene on the other, in which was a literal hot desk. A desk which was slowly melting two blue pyramids made of wax. Visitors were given the opportunity to don a blue fabric swimming cap to experience calibration, data collection and finally results. They're both kind of identical but quite discreet in the, the hot desk references, maybe a more or a more corporate kind of workplace uh, environment. And even the um, wall decal, I guess the forest wall decal that was next to the hot desk as well, kind of references that thing of, of being in those office environments but also being reminded maybe that you're working towards getting somewhere better or that you should be thinking about somewhere better or um, or perhaps trying to pretend that your workplace is, you know, that office environment is a great paradise maybe. Um, and then the other the other space with the bod pod is more, yeah, this space of indiv- individualised self-improvement. But I think the two... The two really relate to each other in a political and an individual sense because um, I guess I'm kind of interested in the way that that whole self-improvement movement has kind of been co-opted into becoming some kind of industry which just allows you to improve yourself to be a better producer within a kind of corporate or capitalist kind of system. So you're kind of both a product and a producer um you're you're kind of buying into these self-improvement regimes I guess and uh you're doing so to to be better at work or um a lot of workplaces are buying or, or kind of putting on lunchtime meditation classes for their staff but then at the same time they're increasing expected work outputs so those kinds of weird uh, oxymorons within those spaces of what it is to improve yourself but what you're improving yourself for um, really and is it is it for yourself or is it for the way that you're kind of performing within this within this system Um, so the way I was kind of imagining the two spaces in this kind of in this weird imaginative sense is also that a lot of these things are about efficiency Uh, So maybe what would it be if you had some kind of pod in your workplace where you were just kind of working away and then you just slipped away for three minutes to just go and like get your productivity potential measured or get some uh, positive reinforcement and then you can just re-enter the workplace uh, slightly better than you left it three minutes ago. But how to kind of distill that down into a really concentrated ridiculous experience I guess I definitely uh like the text for the pod which was a lot of it was kind of there was a large text and then the pod selects what it's going to say to people so everyone heard different kind of motivational words but I use those words from a bunch of companies that are kind of quite cult-like and then I used a lot of gym language a lot of like self-improvement meditation language but I also deliberately used a lot of art language words um like kind of grant language buzzwords as well um engage and vivify and enliven all of those sorts of 
words I mean that's endless and I think the relationship between that kind of like the grandiose promises of that kind of language that you use when you're talking about your work or writing grants or in communication around exhibitions uh, relates really strongly to the language of of self-improvement and and even like corporate corporate companies and what they promise as well and um, also shotguns like a development program and and an artistic self-improvement program and there were really interesting crossovers even between seeing the title of the exhibition which was increased productivity uh, alongside the bylines for shotgun um, yeah industry access critical engagement so I think uh, it's not that those things are inherently wrong, but sometimes I think we use those words without thinking about what they actually mean. Um, they kind of have this weight of their own, and I'm interested in... Um, I want to be kind of self-deprecating in that sense as well and like try to be self-aware in, in the way that we can so easily throw those things around like, uh, like they mean something. Um, and sometimes they do, but other yeah. times not so much yeah it is a specific language and possibly one where the terminology is overused it becomes kind of redundant artists are constantly having to reinvent their self-worth and I suppose that is what is refreshing in the research space self-help gurus and Georgian billionaires are a breath of fresh air to go back to the Georgian billionaire I did go through a whole phase of watching YouTube videos of people uh, sitting at the base of trees to self-heal and self-improve. That was quite in, an yeah. interesting crossover between the two, the two areas. Um, there are a whole range of, uh, I suppose, kind of ambient audio tracks on YouTube that uh, promise you instant wealth if you listen to them as you're going to sleep at night. So that's kind of fun as well. I really liked the idea of waking up to um, unexpected wealth the next yeah. day. Uh, they never really delivered what they promised, but that was that was really enjoyable. Um, what else? I, I guess there's just an endless stream of these things, and I think that the promises that they make are really, are really interesting, but maybe it's um, it's less about the actual realization of those promises and more about the way that you engage with with that idea grace you are currently performing at 0.225 percent of your productivity potentiality grace what are you waiting for you are holding yourself back the world as we know it isn't changing the world as we know it isn't decay You feel that you are not enough. You wonder what it even means to be human anymore. Grace, harness the impulses of your mind. Penetrate the possibilities of creation. Fertilize. Yield. Exceed. Capitalize on your latent talent. Innovate. Develop. Accelerate. Grace, massage your potential into a palpable mass of possibilities. Redefine your personal fulfillment through abundant success. Empower your mind to act on positive messages to improve richness. 
Embrace your custom bod pod experience is now complete. Please exit with care. This has been What Are You Looking At for Contemporary Art Tasmania. What Are You Looking At is produced by Pip Stafford and me, Lisa Campbell-Smith, audio mixed by Brendan Walls. Additional audio from the episode was from The Bod Pod by Grace Herbert, programmed by Linda DeMent. Past What Are You Looking At episodes can be found at contemporaryarttasmania.org.podcast.